Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. This is Series 2, Episode 5. I'm Russell, and this is my daughter, Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Apart from isolating. Yeah, apart from having the COVID. I'm all right, though. It's not got me too bad, so I'm managing. Good. Pleased to hear that. So how did you find this week's selection of music? Well, you'll be very, very delighted to hear. I think this has actually been one of my favourite weeks. And do you know why? I think it's been, usually when I think I've said it's been my favourite week in the past, I've known quite a few other artists, you know, like when I had a Queen week or an ABBA week. But because I don't know many of them, I'm getting given six. I've heard of Culture Club, but I think I only knew two songs. And that was only when seeing the list and listening to it. So I think actually having five that I've never heard of and one that I'd heard of but not really know and actually enjoyed the music, I think that's made it one of my favourite weeks because I've not expected anything. I've just gone in and I've actually enjoyed it. So series two might be a banger. Oh, I did tell you. It gets Mm. better as you come into the mid-80s, which is my era. Yeah. Okay then, so let's talk music and remember, remind people who I gave you last week. So you had six six bands, Culture Club, as you've already mentioned, Le Monge, Musical Youth, Yazoo, A Flock of Seagulls and Hazy Fantasy. Yeah. So in amongst all those songs you had... How many number ones are you going to guess? I'm going little. I'm going with three. Going with three? Yeah. Wow. You would be correct with three. Ooh. Although, although oh. you listen to four. Okay, so one's outside the 80s. One's outside the 80s, but there's a twist with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't like when you say this early on, because then I'm thinking, oh, what's the twist? And I know you're not going to tell me. Okay. I will make it a bit more surreal for you. You listen to a Christmas number one. Okay. That's a bit mad. Yeah. Is that the twist? That's the twist. Well, no, no. There's still another twist on that. As in, as I just said, you had four number ones. You only had oh, yeah. three number ones. What on earth is going to be the Christmas one? Because like, I know like non-Christmas songs can be yeah. Christmas Unfortunately, there, there were a few. Human League, we've already had. They were number one at Christmas. I don't think you told me that, did you? Yeah, yeah I think I'd, well, it's a, a travesty if I didn't, because it was <laughs> the biggest selling single of that year as well, or the following year, I suppose. But yeah. Okay. All right, I'm intrigued. Right, well, we'll 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 get started. Yeah. Now that I've dropped that on you, um, Culture Club. Then a, a band you say you've heard of, a group you've heard of. Yep. What was your thoughts on them? So, like, Boy George is in this group, right? Um, and I feel like it's kind of all about him. So the album art that I saw. It's either him in the centre or he's, like, bigger. And then you've got, like, the other... I think there was four people. The other three people 
just at the front. Um, and also on one of the album art, it said Boy George and the Culture Club. So I'm kind of like, did he take a step away from it before he went solo? Because we all know he went solo. Um, but yeah, he's he's the front and centre, isn't he? Boy George. Yeah. And he's got a very soulful voice, I think. And he's very pretty. And I think with Culture Club, that's how I want to dress. Like when I watch their videos, the way that Boy George is dressed, especially in... Um, do you really want to hurt me? Oh my God, I'd love to wear what he was wearing. Like legit, like that type of 80s dress, like the baggy clothes. Um, and he likes a hat. I like his hats. He was known for his hats. Yeah. But young boy George is much better than older boy George. And I don't like when he shaved his hair off. Like he should have kept his long hair. And he's very feminine, isn't he, boy George? I feel like that's yeah. a thing that he's known for. Well, at the time, you've got to think, it was a time when people didn't really... <sighs> men dressing up as women and what have you he people actually didn't know if he was if he was a woman oh uh yeah i can see that because he is very feminine looking obviously he does his makeup he had long hair um but no i think you could tell that he was a man but i get that like i guess he was a bit of both. was he gay or was he bisexual i think he's gay okay but yeah i really like how um how he dresses. That is the 80s dress for me. Well, but yeah, I feel the you culture need club to is list boy a bit later on. We'll give I'll give you some background on to how he dresses. Okay. In, with another group. That I've listened to this week. Yes. I've noticed. Aha, uh-huh, well, be interesting then when we come to that group and what the lead singer of those said about Boy George. Okay. Okay. So culture but, club. Kat, sorry, yeah. can I point out, because I've watched the videos, you know yes. in Do You Want to Hurt Me? They had um, blackface. All right. Yeah, and I was like, oh, how did that? Like, I know it's like a different time, but I was like, oh, this would go down. Like, oh, yeah, it's a bit, bit weird seeing it on the TV. I'm kind of surprised YouTube still have that video up. Uh, what, what video was that for? Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Oh, it was like the jury. Okay. Because he was like in jail, wasn't he? Yes. Okay. So, Culture Club were, as you've already said, Boy George on vocals, Roy Hay on guitar and keyboards, Mickey Craig on bass, and John Moss on drum stroke percussion. Okay. They were formed in London, England, and they are a new wave pop soul, sophisty pop. I'm quite good at the genre. For genre, I wrote new romantics. You said soul. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said he's got a soulful voice, so I just assumed yeah. soul. But I said new romantics because of the makeup. Because of the dress, yeah. Yeah. And I said synth pop. Uh, I said synth pop, and I also said new wave. So I, I don't they're like not. They're not classed that. as synth pop. They're not classed no, as sophisticated no. pop. Yeah. Which I still don't know what that is. Yeah. I mean, who was it? Level forty-two was sophisticated. Yeah. So Boy George was a regular at the Blitz Club, which we spoke about with Visage. Yeah. Right at the very beginning. And was originally with the group Bow Wow Wow. Occasionally singing, um, using the name Lieutenant Lush when he was with oh. them. Um, however, after his tenure with the group ended, because um, the manager, Malcolm McLaren, preferred the 13-year-old Annabelle Lewin, 
who become the lead singer of Bow Wow Wow. Mm -hmm. So being released by McLaren spurred George on to set up his own group and enlisted Craig Moss and finally Hay to form the Culture Club. So that's how it come about. He was released by Bow Wow Wow. He always wanted, because he was in the, um, he was in the group, uh, you know, so if you remember, um, David Bowie um, took a group from the Blitz Club for one of his videos. I can't remember which video it was now, but they they used them. And Steve Strange was on there and and there were some others. Obviously, George Michael wasn't wasn't picked, Mm. wasn't in that select group, but he... um, he always wanted that stardom and he was actually a dancer for Top of the Pop. So he was often ah. on Top of the Pops. And I can't remember who it was, but it was a lead singer of a group who said he just stood out because of the way he was. So he always had this persona. So he always was, I suppose, he was always going to make it big one way or the other. Mm. And obviously, originally he was open with Bow Wow Wow, who were managed by Malcolm McLaren, who obviously managed the Sex Pistols. Um, but he didn't get the... After you know a few um, gigs, he didn't get it. They went with the thirteen-year-old, and instead of just giving up, then he then set up his own group. And I'd say Culture Club went on to be um, much bigger than Bow Wow Wow. Well, As yeah. I said, they were one of the top four. They, they were one of the big four. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, as you've already said, they were part of the new romantic scene uh, due to Boy George's background mm. um, at the Bits Club, which is pretty much where the new romantic started, I suppose, um, and his onstage persona, which I just went through. Yeah. Um, so the band have sold more than 50 million records. So you can see why they're classed as one of the big four. Oh, definitely. Just from their record sales. Yeah. Um, including over 6 million in the UK alone and 7 million in the US. So they've, they've, oh, they've so they made it the big. US. Mm. Yeah. You know, and even when you add those two up together, you know, that's what, six... Um, 13 million. Yeah. It's still the, you know, we're saying 50 million. So there's still a, a lot more record sales else around the globe. Yeah. Come a Chameleon, which I guess was one of the ones that you had heard of. Oh, yeah, of course. That was the biggest selling single in 1983. That's one that I've also put as a number one. Okay. Well, if it was the biggest selling single in 1983, You'd kind Tells of think it. it would be the number one. Yeah. Unless it was just number two for the whole year sort of thing. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> While time, Clock of the Heart, is included on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list of a hundred, 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. That was more rock and roll. This yeah, rock and roll people, they really do like to just take whatever they want, don't yeah. they? Like, I don't really they do, think there's do. anything particular about it. Because, yeah, I wouldn't have said rock at all for time. No. Well, there you go. It's on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <laughs> list of 500 songs that shaped the rock and roll. In 1983, Culture Club won two Brit Awards uh, for Best Breakthrough Act and Best British Group. No, that's good. I can see that. In 1984, Culture Club won a Brit Award for Best Single with Karma Chameleon, obviously. To be the so, biggest. From, so that's where that you know when I say it was the biggest selling single in 1983, it was also still around in 1984. Yeah, well, still around now. Yeah, yeah, um, and they won a Grammy Award also in 1984 for Best New Artist. So that's in the US. Okay. And in 2014, Culture Club won the Q Idol Award. What's that? Q, Q Magazine. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. So. 
1986, Culture Club disbanded, although they have reunited twice since, in 1998 until 2002, and again in 2011. Uh, but did Boy when George they disbanded go... the first time, that's when George, as you rightly say, Boy George went so uh, okay and so what about so one of the album marks obviously that's what i can see when i'm listening to the songs because of spotify um one of the album art it says it's got boy george as an animated person with a blue circle around him and it says boy george and the culture club not just the culture club uh, did that did that is that what that they may well have been when they reformed i don't know yeah Certainly but this is it, for like comma comedian victims was it a, a best of? Um, or was it the way they promoted themselves? Because he was so, such a big persona. Oh, Maybe he was. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The best of. Nah. Okay. So it'd have been, it was probably Boy George and Culture Club. It's got, I remember Jimmy yeah. Somerville bought one out and it was Jimmy Somerville with Comenards and Bonsky Beat. Um, so it was his solo singles as well as yeah probably the same with boy george it's probably got culture club songs on there and boy george songs on there right okay so i didn't i, I, I didn't know, think to look at it more close i was just like oh is that how they like you know like gary newman and the tubey army yes how yeah, did yeah. that that's what yeah. i thought i was like oh was that her? and then when that happened no, like, is there something I, against it but yeah no, I was going to say, I always, always knew him as Culture Club, but unless when they were promoting themselves, they went mm. obviously with his persona, but obviously, as you say, it was a best of. So right. I guess it's got yeah. Boy George singles on there, as well as Culture Club singles on there. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, they toured Europe without Moss, who was reportedly told uh, to take a break after following. So they, they toured America, they went and they then toured um, or North America, so America and Canada. They mm. then went and toured Europe. However, Moss wasn't involved. He was asked to oh. take a break. And because of that, he then took them to court for loss of earnings. Oh. They were the ones who told him to take a break. And, not um, him yeah, wanting. I think it all got a bit messy. Um, and also, not public knowledge, but George and Moss had an intimate relationship at the height oh. of their fame, although it ended in 86 which coincided, funny enough, with Culture Club disbanding. So whether that had anything to do, I don't know. Mm. But it wasn't public knowledge and it came out later on. Um, and Moss officially left in 2021, May 2021, so this oh, year. So this year. So he has eventually, but he's been on and off, I think, as I say, from, I suppose, 2018, when um, mm. they had a big falling out, obviously, and he took it further. Yeah. But yes, so um, not a not a happy ending as far as um, the way they split. Um, obviously, to begin the first split was obviously Boy George wanting to go solo, and that was all good. Um, I guess partly their relationship had finished then as well, so maybe that had a had a say in it. I don't know. Mm. That's just like reading between the lines. But yeah. as I say, yeah, what went on in the, on the tour in America, I don't know. But obviously, when they got to Europe, as I say, John Moss was told have a break they carried on without him and then he filed a lawsuit um against lots of them did he win i don't know i couldn't find anything on what happened i'm guessing they probably um cleared it up outside of court yeah. you know and settled or whatever but no i couldn't find anything on what happened what the outcome was and the fact he was still with them up until 2021 says that maybe um yeah, I'll there must say, have been. You know, I, don't, I don't know, but he has now officially, as I say, left, or at least for the time being. Oh, fair enough. Well, do you know what? I think I've got a newfound love for Boy George. 
Wow. Well, he did have a comeback because he, he was on The Voice, wasn't he? And that sort of brought him yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to a new audience, I suppose, like yourself, mm. probably. You know, I don't know if you knew him before. Well, um, I've heard of him songs, before, did you but know him? No. But I think the, when he was a judge on The Voice, I think that, again, threw him back mm. in the face. I, I mean, think he even wore his hat in then. That, on yeah, that. like he wears a tall hat, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, like, like, it's, like, it's, it's like not like on his the Mad Hatter for Manus in Wonderland. But his is, like, curved. I really yeah. like it. And, like, I don't know, like, watching it and doing this, I'm like, oh, like, because I know Boy George, like, obviously not personally, but um, like, I didn't watch The Voice, but, like, I, I've heard of him, I know what he looks like, but then doing this and seeing him in his early days, I'm like, oh, you're so pretty. And he just looks so cool. And his voice is just amazing. Like, why weren't I about when Culture Club was at the peak? I would have been fangirling over Boy George. Because now he's like bald, isn't he? The 80s for you, see? The best era, as I keep telling you. Well, I think this is the first time that I've said that I want to be in the 80s for a band. So. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I will go through the songs then. Okay. You can tell me. So how many number ones did you think Culture Club had? Do you think that was all three? No, two. Two, okay. Mm-hmm. And what two did you go for? Well, I thought time might be one and then and come a chameleon, chameleon. Yeah. okay so 1982 do you really want to hurt me number one was it number one really i nearly said this one but i thought it's like their first one so i didn't I think they had a couple before that but hadn't obviously yeah but i mean like first started, one in the charts but so. yeah yeah. Number one. Okay. Well, I recognise that one as well. That's also okay. why I didn't want to go for it. Because I can't just go for the ones that I know. So, 1982. Oh, well, actually, sorry, I didn't tell you how many um, hit before I go through the rest. They had seven top ten hits in the 80s. Okay. And they had five top ten albums, including a number one album as well. Right, okay. Okay. So yeah. just bear in mind, seven top ten hits. Okay, you've already had one, and you only get you gave me twelve. Yes, twelve songs, mm. seven of them in the top ten. Okay, okay. So, nineteen eighty-two. Do you want, really want to hurt me? Was number one. Nineteen eighty-two again. Time clock of the heart. Number three. Okay. Nineteen eighty-three. Church of the Poison Mind. It sounded like the vocals were different. Did anyone else ever sing? Not that I'm aware of, but I might be okay. wrong. Maybe he just changed up his voice. But yeah. If if someone else did sing, then maybe that helped it because it got to number two. Oh, wow. They're really up there, aren't they? 1983, Come a Chameleon. No surprise, number one. Okay. I just wrote for that. It's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> 1983, Victims. It's my least favourite, you know. Didn't like this Number one. three. Mm, didn't like it. 1984, It's a Miracle. That's all they keep saying. Number four. Wow, they're not out top five yet, are they? 1984, The War Song. My favourite, by the way. Number two. Okay. I think it's a very powerful song. 
So listen um, to the lyrics. Only are we looking at top ten. We're looking at top five. So you yeah. can see now why they are classed as one of the big four. Definitely. You know, they'd, they're like the Ed Sheeran of them. You know, you bring oh, out yeah, something bring, and it's down, up you're going to go. You know, it's going to be a chart hit. Yeah. No yeah. matter where, what, what what it's like. Nah. However, that sort of back turned when we come to 1984, the medal song, because that only got to number thirty-two. Okay. I don't think much of that. It felt like well, I watched, else by the look of it. Well, I, I watched a video for it and where's it gone? And it was like about he boy George is very eccentric in it. I was like, oh, you're really getting your colour out now. But it was about like this Francis Francis Farmer. And I was like, who's this? And what's going on? And yeah, I don't know, like the video kind of took away from the song as well, but yeah, I didn't really think much of it. Okay. As I say, nor did anyone else. <laughs> 1980, although it's still a top 40 hit. Mm. And I suppose that's on the back of the name Culture Club. Um, yeah. 1986, Move Away. Again, the vocals seemed to change and it had good backing music, but the backing music was like upbeat, but the song was like a bit sad. It was really weird, but it was a good song. I liked it. And you got to think this is now when they were splitting up. This yeah. is 86. Yeah. And it got to number seven. Okay. 1986, God Thank You Woman. Okay. I like that one, but I was like, aren't they gay? Number 31. Oh. And now you got two from, I, I guess, from when they, they um, reunited. Yeah. Um, so 1998. I just want to be loved. This one, they've got a change in sound, you know. Bit of reggae. Did that ever come up with them? No, but then again, you've got to remember you're not in the 80s now, so they made change the music, but reggae wasn't really something I remember from the 90s, but or late 90s even. Mm. But yeah, that, but, that's all I really noticed. But okay. I liked it. It was different. Well, it got to number four. So there we go. You think Culture Club, oh. an 80s group, disbanded in 86, over 10 years later, 1998, and they still crack out a song in the top 10, top five. Did you buy it? Were you a Culture Club remember. fan? Not really, no. Not, not really my... I'm a synth pop, always. Have, I'm not... Yeah. I mean, I do... I like their music, but I wasn't... I got not, their album. Yeah, but, but you wouldn't go out. Greatest and... hits, but not a... Yeah. Mm. Um, and then 99, Your Kisses and Charity got to number 25. And that wasn't a bad one. Okay. So that was Culture Club. Well, I've got a newfound love for Boy George. Oh. There we go. Sorry, the vapors, you've been dropped for Culture Club. <laughs> it's official. I don't know because the vapors hit me different. I suppose the difference is the vapors didn't have many songs. Yeah, like the Culture Club, you can. Yeah, there's a hot, but the vapors hit me different. I think because I've already heard of the uh, Culture Club as well. But yeah. Moving on then to our next group or band this week, Blamange. Yeah. So these ones, at first, I remember talking to you during the week and I said, I'm on Blamange. I'll let you know how it is. But yeah, I weren't really giving you much, but I didn't think much of him. And mm. that, no. But that was my first listen. Um, when I like listen to him again, like doing my notes and listen to a couple again, like with videos and then like just again for a listen and whatnot, 
I quite like them. I mean, their songs are catchy and they sound like, like, the only thing is, I think what put me off, they sound like they've got like a filter or like auto-tune on their voice. Like it's a bit robotic. Like I don't really know what it is, but they're very like deep and not monotoned, but just, I don't know, I can't explain it. I think that's what put me off. But the more I listen, the more I'm like, oh yeah, your song's actually all right. Um, maybe not all of them, but you know, that's like, that's the thing, isn't it? You don't always like all the songs. But yeah, first listen, I was like, oh God, no, what's dad got me listening to? Um, and I couldn't really think of the genre. So I was like some sort of rock, some sort of pop. That's all I could really go with. Like I hadn't, like I've got no idea with these at all. Really? Yeah. No. Okay. So Blamange are Neil Arthur vocals, Stephen Luscombe, Luscombe synth and synthesizer and keyboards. That might give it away. Yeah. And Lawrence Stevens on drums. However, he left shortly after the band was formed. Right. I suppose as drum machines come out, they didn't need him. <laughs> but no, he left. Um, he went actually on to be a graphic designer. Oh, well, that's completely different, isn't it? He's known for his sleeve designs, mainly for Eurythmics and Annie Lennox. Yeah. As mentioned in Annie Lennox's biography. Oh. So he actually got a mention. So he left Blamange, but still went on to make a career for himself in something else, but still to do with music. By, that's um, mad, isn't it? By doing design in Steve. So, yeah. So they were formed in 1979 in Harrow, London. They are a new wave synth pop band. Okay. And they got their name, quite obviously, from the dessert of the same name. I thought the dessert was called a Blamange. No, Blamange. Flamange. Why do I, I think that's <laughs> I don't know. It's never been a flamange. It's always blamange. And that's what I was like, from. I thought it was wordplay. I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's like a flamange. No. And actually, on their, I don't know if it's their first album cover or their second, but they, it's a pink background with a yellow blamange or a yellow background with a pink blamange. I can't remember which way around. It might be actually because blamange is, but yeah, there's an album cover with a blamange on it. I haven't got any. I'm pretty sure it's an album cover and not a single cover, but yeah, um, there is one that's just got a blamange. Uh, See, with with Spotify, like a lot of the time that I'm typing in these old songs, it comes from the greatest hits or the best of or whatever. So I don't tend to see like the original. I will will find it and I will put it on our Twitter at Dad Educates. I will put it out the the blamange album cover. Not a flamange. Whichever it is. Um, not a flamange. No, I don't know where you've got flamange from. I don't know really. what desserts, obviously. We can tell he's a sweet tooth here, can't we? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they actually amicably parted in 1986, so the same year that Culture Club. Oh, did they, did, well. they, did they form the same year as well? Uh, 1979, no, Culture Club, or no, much later. Later, yeah. Um, Yet they were formed in late 2000, in the, or the, in the noughties, should I say. Okay. Um, and in 2011, they released their fourth album, or studio album. However, Luscombe left after the release due to ill health. However, Arthur still continues under the Blamange name and recently released a new album, Commercial Break, and toured on the back of it, including Supporting Erasure. And I'm pleased to say I... Oh, yeah, them. you did tell me you seen. So they were only a duo, weren't they? They were originally, when they formed a threesome, but 
Right, but yeah, yeah, but one of them not left, long after. So there was only of, two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then so this guy that's now carried on, has he got someone else with him, or is he by himself? Yeah, he's got, he's got. I don't. I mean, they, there's, he's got another keyboard here. So he had a, someone on a drum machine as well. There was three of it. There was back to ah. three when I saw them at Erasure um, at the O2. But um, it's mainly him, the singer, and they mainly, obviously. I mean, yes, as I say, they brought out a new a new album, Commercial Break. He sang a few songs from that. They were okay. Um, but obviously the main ones were the, still the ones from the early Blumange. Was it as good, do you think? Because you've seen him live. Well, I suppose the good thing is he was the singer. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's not so much So you haven't lost it? the voice or anything? Yeah. I suppose it's when you lose the singer, it's not going to be the same because you've got to replace the singer. Yeah. Whereas I suppose just someone who's, not just someone, Luscombe's well-renowned as, you know, he's up there with, you know, the best, the best keyboardist. Um, and I suppose when you think of them as a, you know, you think of synth pop duos, you've got the Erasures, you've got the Petra mm. People probably don't think of Blamange as a Well, duo, I've never heard know. of them. Uh, Tears for Fears is another one. So, um, you know, but they they had some good hits, as you will find out in a while. So, yeah. So Vince Clark remixed a hit, Living on the Ceiling, which was released in 2013 on the re-released first album, um, Happy Families 2. So they released in 1982 their very first album, Happy Families, which had Living Obsy was their big hit, Living on the Ceiling, or their, mm-hmm. their first hit. On their 25th anniversary, they re released that as Happy Families 2, as in T O, and it had remixes on it, of which Vince Clark remixed Living on the Ceiling, and they released it as a single. Hang on, Vince Clark? That, yes. Isn't that the guy from Erasure? Yes, so hence, obviously, Blamange touring with a razor. Oh. There's, a, there's a link there. There's a link. And I think Luscombe, I'm pretty sure he's done the same with Erasure songs. He's mixed some Erasure songs as well. Oh, so they kind of intertwine, so help each other. They must really know each yeah. other, yeah. Yeah. They had a few um, film soundtracks as well. Oh. Scores, as it's known. So Lose Your Love, featured on the 1986 film Flight of the Navigator by Disney. It was a quite okay. it was an okay film in the eighties. Not not class as probably one of the big films, but it was one of those feel good um, films. Mm-hmm. They also had "Don't Tell Me" um, on the film No Man's Land in nineteen eighty seven. They had the song "Living on the Ceiling" in the crack in nineteen ninety nine, and they had "Blind Vision" on the Voyeurs in as recent as twenty twenty one. So their oh. songs are still being used as, in films. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. So they had three top 10 hits. Okay. One top 10 album, Monge Toot, at number eight in 1984. Monge Toot. Monge Toot. Another dessert. (laughs) It's a vegetable, isn't it? Monge Toot. I'm not very good at this, am I? It is, isn't it? Monge and can I have some Blamonge and Monge Toot, please? Okay, 1982, Living on the Ceiling. Which was my favourite. Okay, got to number seven. Oh, okay, top ten. 1983, Waves. This one was very instrumental. This is where I should have probably really been like, oh, it's a synthesizer, but obviously didn't. But yeah, this was in, this went really up my street. Number 19. Okay. So top 20. Mm-hmm. 1983, Blind Vision. 
this is where I was like, they sound like robotic, but it's not like, robot. I don't know, I can't explain their voices. But I think this was the one that was like, mm, I don't like these, the first listening. Got to number 10. Okay. Has got a good chorus though. 1983, That's Love, That It Is. This is where I got the rock from, because it it's like they're shouting a bit, and I was like, oh, you're a bit rocky. Okay. Yeah. Number 33. Oh, that's a jump. 1984, Don't Tell Me. One of my favourites. I like their voices in this one. And it's like, that's why I can't keep up with their voices. I'm like, what are you? I don't really know. And I think this is, as I was first listening, I was like, I don't know how to take you guys. But this, yeah, this was a good one. Number eight. Okay. 1984, The Day Before You Came. Eh, this was my least fave. Weren't that great? No? Okay. Uh, Number 22. All right. They're very up and down, aren't they? 1985, What's Your Problem? This was their more chilled out one. It was a more focus on the music, but not in an instrumental way. So I quite liked it. Uh, mm. Well, no one else did. It got to number 40. Oh, wow. No, I quite liked it. And in 1985, Lose Your Love. Love the chorus. Slow start. I love this song. Love the chorus. I and the reason bet. I put it in is because I love it. And yeah. also it was in the film because it actually only got to number 77. Really? Yeah. And that's the problem. See, well, you can be a small band and not really, you know, make it. You can have a good song, be in a film. The film wasn't a great hit. So therefore the song didn't really get the... Was not expecting the, that to the be acclaim it, it wanted to, needed or rightly deserved. So yeah. Was not expecting that at all. You know what I was saying about their robotic voices? Though? I completely forgot to say this. In their videos, especially... Lose your love. Because you asked me to watch that video. Didn't you? you said it, it's a great video. Yeah, yeah. Don't get how it's a great video. But they have a lot of eye contact. They do not look away from that camera. <laughs> it freaks me out. I'm like, what? Like they're swinging something. They're just looking at the camera. Oh, it was weird. But I don't get how it's a great video. Apart from like the graphics with like the spinning. Like, just the, the way they're, they're going mad, aren't they? Putting yeah. paint everywhere. And I guess they're just letting out everything there. up. Mm. And, oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Moving on then to <laughs> musical youth. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing these are a family, is what I want to say. And the main singer, he's really young, isn't he? It's they're like all very it's young. yeah, but that's what makes you fit in their family. It's a bit like the Jacksons when they got put together and they're all very young, and Michael Jackson was like the lead, and he's got this really sweet young voice, like this guy is. Um and these, if you tell me they're not reggae, I'll cry. This is the reggae that I like, not the UB40 malarkey that we had last series. This is reggae. I like this. This this was a good reggae list. Like, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, but they're really young. Mm. And I recognised Pastor, du- Pastor Duchy. Duchy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So it okay. was nice. Good. Okay. Well, musical youth were Dennis Seaton on vocals, Freddie Junior Waite on drums, backing vocals, Kelvin Grant on electric guitar, Michael Grant on keyboards, and Patrick Waite on bass. Oh, so it's not so like one family. There were two, but there were two sets of brothers. Yeah. 
um, but Seton wasn't. However, when they originally started to form, uh, hence um, Freddie Junior weight being junior, because their dad, the weight's dad, he was in the he got the band together and he was the original singer. Oh, he didn't do anything. They then got rid of him. In comes <laughs> their friend Dennis Seaton, and boom, oh. they get they suddenly a hit. So yes. Um, they uh, were formed in 1979 and strangely enough, Birmingham, England, which is where the specials and UB40 were both from, as well as I didn't like that. any of them. Same. I liked Round Round, but I didn't like any of the others. So yeah, and you were right, they are reggae. Yes. So it's um it's a tragic what happened to I suppose it's fame coming when you're young. Mm-hmm. And um, and then with reality of when you get dropped and what have you. So um, it's, um, I mean, I don't know where to start. So the Waite brothers both got involved in drugs. Right. Standard okay. in the 80s. To be um, with Patrick completely spaced out on stage in Jamaica and was just playing all kinds of stuff, but I guess not the stuff that they wanted him oh. to play. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, so much so that his dad went up on stage and took his bass off of him. So oh, like, wow. You know, so like, didn't embarrass. Awful. And he ended up being hospitalised. Um, however, the rest of the musical youth left Jamaica without him to carry on their tour. However, once they got back to England, uh, they were dropped by their record label. And I think that's when suddenly the, the problems began. Um, mm. So the record label were MCA. But I guess the, they dropped by the label, label because they'd been... I think uh, because of, yeah... What happened in Jamaica. Publicity, suddenly you mm-hmm. want to distance yourself from it. And where are they going to go from here? It's just, is it going to get, you know... Yeah. I mean, some group... I mean, we everyone knows about Depeche Mode and what happened with David, that the lead singer of those, gone. He had drug problems, got himself sorted, and there's still a good bad bit, I yeah. suppose, of musical label or just felt that musical youth had gone as far yeah so yeah so um that wasn't great and then when the band split seaton who was 17 when they split um one day off actually is 18th so they split obviously on the back of losing the record deal Mm -hmm. michael grant was 16 at the time when they split or when they looked as a and what year is this uh this would have been 1985 Okay. Um, Kelvin Grant was 14 when they split. Oh, you were so little. And so Patrick that was only 16 six years. and Freddie Waite 17. So they're so, only, the oldest was only like 11. Patrick Waite, as I say, was into drugs and he was only 16 when they split up. Oh my so God, I didn't even think about that. Hit. I was thinking about yeah, how so, long they were when they started. So Freddie Waite, he took it badly. And he got sectioned for mental health reasons in the end when he got older. So um, he oh. just evidently sat in a room watching Aswad videos. Oh, bless him. And yeah, while his brother Patrick became a petty criminal, uh, got jailed in 1987 for four months. Um, and then in 1990, he was jailed again for robbing a pregnant woman at knife point. Oh, wow. They really went downhill. So, yeah, and then Patrick died in 1993 from heart failure, aged just 24. Where was the help, though? And that just shows, like, how mental health was. And that's the difference, was. I suppose. Like, nowadays, one, not many people would be 
that much of a superstar like you know touring and that much at that age and two if they then got dropped and they couldn't cope with it all you'd have so much support like it's so sad to think that that's that was like yeah. the 80s they were like they were children mm. oh bless them so when Seaton left in 1985, that's when the band consequently split. Because as I said mm. earlier, you know, you, leave, you lose the lead singer, you're pretty much. Yeah. You know. yeah. Um, so they split up. And after that, the band become embroiled in legal, financial and personal problems. As I just mm. mentioned, obviously the financial, because they didn't have that income they, they had from the record yeah. deal. Legal problems, because obviously, you know, they were fighting for money. They probably thought they were owed and what have you mm. and then personal problems um as i say yeah, just fame at too young and not being i suppose managed correctly if they mm. had a manager i don't know um so i suppose that's it it was a very short career even though they were formed in 1979 their first hit wasn't until 1982 oh. and then by 1985 they've been dropped split lost their lead singer and yeah so they only really had three years in the spotlight, but yeah. that obviously does yeah. a lot to you. But as soon as you're touring, I think that's it. That's your life, isn't it? That's yeah. But on they are still spoke about. So um, they have reformed as a duo, Seaton and Michael Grant, because um, Kelvin Grant, he was obviously the youngest. He left music business completely. He was obviously completely put off by it. Saw it at a young age and. He was he like the main the... singer? Was that him? No, Dennis Seaton was the singer. Right. Yes. Kelvin Grant was the electric guitar. So yeah, he left the business. So, but Seaton and Michael Grant, they got back together in two thousand and one. Um, however, their tour was cancelled due to the September eleventh tragedy. Oh. So. Um, did they ever come they, back? Uh, they have. They did then do a tour. Um, after so the song Pasta Ducci is about poor Jamaican people using it as a cooking ingredient or cooking pot sorry so it's got a meaning behind it Pasta Ducci is a cooking I did pot. write what does it mean I was like this has yeah. a meaning behind it like yeah. definitely has a meaning it's something to do as I say in Jamaica and it's poor people passing a cooking pot around um, however it sold five million copies and that's what helped the band break America oh. Do you know what's really yeah, weird with Parcel Ducci though? Like that's the meaning behind it, but it's like, well, I guess like it's the, you said poor people, so I guess this is where it comes from. But um, it looked like in the video, it looked like they were busking, and then it was to do with like they were set in jail. So yeah, it's just I was like, oh, what, what's this to do? But obviously the video doesn't always link directly to the song, does it? But yeah, interesting. Um. And Musical Youth were the first black artists to be played on MTV. Oh, that wow, was, was that's amazing. So even though there's a, a the, the, the tragedy side of Musical Youth, fame too young, members mm. couldn't deal with it, a young death, um, there's also the goods that, you know, they've done a lot for the black music regularly. Yeah. And, um, you know, so which they hopefully look at as a good thing. As a, yeah, even don't if they the probably didn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah, but actually looking back. So, Musical Youth then. Yep. 1982, Pastor Ducci. I think this is a number one. You are correct. Yes. This is a number one. 
They're my so three you number almost ones. got all your three number ones as well. You just got the one, the culture club ones. So yeah. Pick the one one. I wish I said the other one. <laughs> 1982, Youth of Today. This was the only one that I weren't that big a fan of, you know. Number 13. Okay. Uh, 1983, no, Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, they sing very fast in this one. I was like, what? And then it gets to the chorus. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like it. But at first I was like, mm, not sure. So, yeah. Number six. Okay. 1983, Tell Me Why. Catchy, upbeat, up my street. Number 33. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. 83 again, 007. Although that's not what they sing, you know. Oh, so in my head, I was thinking of them going 007. I was like, I don't, but it's because you're thinking James Bond. They don't Is it sing. 007? No, oh. it's uh oh, uh oh. Like it's a, it's a sound. Oh. Yeah. Ah. But this was my favorite song. A very good. Number favorite. 26. Oh, oh, so they weren't, considering they had a number one. It's just kind of downhill, isn't it? 1984 16. Oh, this was such a close favourite. This is this is like my second favourite. Really enjoyed this one. It's just so cute. I really like it. Number 23. Oh, my God. They didn't hit as high up as I thought they would, you know. Hmm. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. Especially with a number yeah. one under their belts. Yeah. And I suppose you can see now why they did get dropped. It probably the, the I don't yeah. know, but you can imagine the like thinking, just waiting for a something to happen to give them an excuse to drop yeah. them because they obviously didn't live up to what the expectations were. Especially originally. after but, the first number one. Yeah. So, mm. but that's that's how the eighties chart was, as you say. You liked some songs, but people back there didn't. You've liked you've not liked songs before that have gone in to be top five hits. You know. Yeah. So, just shows. Crazy, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Moving on then. Yazoo. So these, I mean, there weren't much to think about. These were probably the most sing-along group for me. Um, uh-huh. They experiment with makeup. And in their videos, they look a bit odd. They kind of creep me out a bit, especially in, what video did I watch? Situation. It's like they're mannequins. And then I was shocked to see a woman. I was like, why is there a woman? Because it sounds like a man. Because oh, she's got such a deep voice. Yeah. So I, I literally wrote okay. a woman. Like legit, I've okay. written a woman with a big Let's see if you've heard of this woman then. Because Yazoo were a duo. Second right, duo. Yeah, second that. duo. Yeah. Alison Moye on vocals. Am I meant to have heard of her? No, I didn't. Not to, oh, she's, no. Not, she's not an unknown, is what I mean. Oh, right, okay. She's, no, you know. she doesn't. No. And on uh, keyboards and synthesizer, Mr. Vincent Clark. Oh, we come across him again. Didn't recognize him, you know, but he's not the main person of Erasure, is he? No, Andy no, Bow is Erasure, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That's why. So I never think of Vince Clark. Although when I look at Erasure, I always think that. Vince Clark is a better name for Andy Bell, and Andy Bell's a better name for Vince Clark. Don't ask me why I think that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't, rec- didn't recognise him, but wow. blooming out, they creeped me out, so I'm glad I didn't. So they were formed in 1981 in Basildon, Essex. They're a new wave synth pop band, 
and they are known as Yaz in the US for some reason. Oh. Yazoo, I suppose, is a I mean, is a milkshake company that um, they couldn't take the name of. I don't oh, know. yeah, that's true. But then, um, um, like, did that come first? Or sure. I don't know. I was just making that bit up because Yazoo is. <laughs> it still um, is a milkshake. But, um, but for some reason, they were known as Yaz in Y-A-Z in US. So after leaving Depeche Mode, Clark met Moye through a... He applied for an advert in a musical magazine, mag, in a music magazine placed by Moye. However, they'd known each other since school days. Oh, so just luck. He, he left the Pesh mode, saw an advertisement in, in a magazine, applied for it. And then when he obviously, I don't know whether he, when he turned up or they got speaking on the phone, however it was, mm-hmm. they actually um, knew each other from school days. That's bad, isn't it? Bit so, of luck. Yeah. Um, Upstairs at Eric's, the album, is um, critically acclaimed as one of the best albums of that time. I suppose a bit like we've said this before, Lexicon of Love of ABC, oh, yeah. Street Fighting Years, we had the other day from Simple Minds, mm, um, Joshua Tree, Tree from You yeah. Two. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those albums, it's a, like a must-have album of the 80s. So yeah, Upstairs at Eric's okay. is one of those albums. Um, both became successful after Yazoo. Um, Clark obviously going on to form synth pop duo Erasure, while Moye became a successful singer in her own right. Never and heard had of another big album called Alf. Never heard of her. So the duo disbanded acrimoniously in 1983. Um, as a result of Clark's reluctance to make more records under the Yazoo name due to a clash of personalities and a lack of communication between the pair. Oh. So, yes. However, in 2008, after splitting, the pair reconciled and reformed Yaz to play a successful tour of the UK, Europe and North America. But he would have been in Erasure, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. But Erasure, I think it was when Andy Bell went off to do a solo. He had a bit of a, they had a break. He went, not, not on, you know, it's a part of the way oh, between the two. Just a, put Erasure went on hold. Andy Bell went off, done a solo career and um mute asked um i think it was mute was celebrating which was the record label was celebrating because vince clark is very um loyal to mute he was with mute with depeche mode he was with them with yazoo and erasure with mute as well okay mute were doing a 25 year thing i think i remember it because um abc were involved no that was trevor horn so no sorry forget that but mute mute done a, a, a similar thing as trevor horn did because he had he had a one with um, ABC, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, right. all come together, the Buggles. Mute done a similar one, and they got Yazoo to reform as a one-off. Obviously, then, obviously, at around, I don't know if it was around the same time, but obviously, as I say, Andy Bell, they, they just decided just to put Erasure on hold. And as I say, it was amicable. It was just agreed, yeah, we're going to put them on hold. You go off and do a solo quit. And Vince Clark went off and reformed Yaz, and they done a little tour. Fair but enough. But literally like a Although- year to a year. I'm very, very shocked because I didn't think any of your bands had ever split up. I didn't say they split up, did I? They put them on hold. They just... Okay, but when you go moaning about people that I like, so Westside, for example, they never split up. Okay. And yet you say, these uh, 90s bands don't last as long as my 80s. Oh, well, 
They do exactly well, the same the thing. 90s bands don't last as long as the 80s because we just proving that by when we go through these and how many have gone from 1980, 1990, 2000. Still, I mean, Erasure is still in, still bringing out albums. All right. You can so, preach. Yes. I'm just shocked so, that they actually did, went on hold. Yazoo then. Yep. 1982, only you. I recognise this, you know. That's also why I think I enjoyed it so much, because, uh-huh. like, this week, because surprisingly, I think I recognised a song from each, if not, like, a sound or something. So I recognise this one. Only you is very 80s, and I never know how to describe what I mean by that, but, yeah, to me, it's very 80s. Okay. Got to number two. Oh. Hmm. However... Oh, oh, this is the twist, is it? In 1983, the Flying Pickets done a little twist on it and got it to number one, and it actually was the Xmas number one. It was number one for ages, and people wanted it not to be number one at Christmas. And um, it was. It got number one at Christmas. That's mad. So this is the Christmas number one, as well as the twist. But the twist was it wasn't Yazoo, it was the Flying Picket. So they'd done a cover of it literally a year later, and they got one better than only than Yazoo. They got to number one. So, and not only that, they got the um the big prize of the Christmas number one. Will I ever listen to Flying Pickets? Um, I think you might well do, yeah, because they did have a few hits, so yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'll hear the different yes. maybe I'll choose which one I like better. Mm. Interesting. Okay. 1982, Don't Go. This just feels like it should be done to a workout. It's very, I don't know, I can't explain it, but the sound of it, it's very like get you up and going, isn't it? Yeah, I, I like it, but number three. Okay. Oh, so they're up Probably there. my favourite. 1982, The Other Side of Love. This is my favourite. Gets you moving. I like it. Number 13. Okay. Mine haven't been hitting big this week, you know. 1983, Nobody's Diary. This is where I can hear the synthesizer very, very clearly. Number three. Okay, I was going to say there weren't much about it, but apparently there was. And in 1990. Oh, so we're out. Vern and they split up. Oh, yeah. In 1983. And they didn't reform or get back together so to speak um until 2008 yes what's this then so 1990 situation which was originally the b-side to only you oh to number 14 as it was released as a remix by the then by the record label mute oh so they were kind of still making money off them Ah, it was very upbeat. You got to remember, Vince Clark was still with Mute because that's yeah. who Erasure was with. Yeah. I don't know about whether Alice and Moyes was still like, with Mute carried on with when them. she went, but there was obviously they said, "Look, we we think we got something here. We can remix it." I don't know who remixed it. Um, I think it was some DJs or something. But that yeah, they might be why. It and it got to number fourteen, but it was only a B B side to only you at the time. So should I have really listened to the remix version or the original? Well, mate, mate, yeah, maybe I didn't even think about it. It wasn't until I was obviously looking that I found out that it wasn't even. I mean, it was still have been Yazoo, but it'd have been a remix. Yeah, I might listen to the remix because I did feel like it was more upbeat. So I wonder yeah. what the remix is like. 
unless it was the remix you listened to. I don't know. Yeah, like accidentally. It doesn't yeah. say remix. So, yeah. Although it does say too fat. No, mine's just a remastered version. But yeah, so that, that was your zoo. Okay. With the twist of only you being the Christmas number one in 1983. Gonna have to have a listen to that. Yeah, the difference. Mm. So going on then to a flock of seagulls. Yeah. Didn't, there's not much to really think of these. These were just the most synth, you're gonna say they're not a synth pop group, but I felt like these were quite futuristic with their sound. Um, and I feel like I, ha- I heard the synth pop. I thought they were a bit of a new wave as well, but yeah, I don't know. These look creepy. Their videos are a bit weird. They don't seem to have any emotion in their face. Yeah, didn't really, I don't know. Not a fan then, obviously, I'm guessing. Hmm. I'm not saying about their music. I'm just saying about okay. them. Well, guess what? Oh. They're on there. Oh. It's Electric Comes Through and track number 17, Wishing If I Had a Photograph of You by a Flock of Seagulls. Thought I recognised that one. That would be why, wouldn't it? Number 17. Oh, yeah. Flock of Seagulls. Not a big enough group to be on the front cover, though. No. However... Oh, yeah, Zoom are on there. Why did you mention that? With only you. Okay. Do you know Maybe that's why I recognise that one as well. (laughs) I wonder. So there we go. Two songs today on the It's Electric CD. Yazoo and Flock of Seagulls. Wow. So a Flock of Seagulls were Mike School, vocals and keyboards, Paul Reynolds on guitar, Frank Maudsley on bass and Ali Score, Mike Score's brother, on drums. Okay. They were formed in 1979 in Liverpool, England, and they are a new wave synth pop band. Okay. The name, according to Mike Score, who formed the band, was taken from the Stranglers song Toiler on the Sea. So that's where the, uh, the name of Flocker Seagulls come from. So the oh. original guitarist, Willie Wu, was replaced with teenager Reynolds, who was a friend of one of uh, Edmondson, Mark Edmondson, who I'll come to in a minute. Right. Um, Mark Edmondson was replaced with Ali, replaced Ali Score when he left due to a fallout with his brother. However, Edmondson soon departed after getting Paul Reynolds to join. Right. Um, he departed and was replaced by the returning Ali Score. Okay, so and a bit of a mixing the, about them. And then that became the main, which is the the, the lineup I gave you. Right. So um, so originally it was Mike Score, Willie Wu, Frank Maudsley and Ali Score. Yeah. Willie Wu left. Or well, Mo- Ali Score fell out with his brother. He was replaced by Mark Edmondson. Uh, Willie Wu then left and um, Mark Edmondson um, recommended Paul Reynolds. Right. Mark Edmondson then left to re- be replaced by the returning Ali score, and that became the main four group then. So Paul Reynolds be- we got into the group on the back of a recommendation by Mark Edmondson, who was in the group, but he's no longer. So it's okay. a bit of a, yeah. So. Right. So a bit of a mix it about. Um, yeah, yeah. Hard, yeah. Bit but the main four that. was the two scores, Maudsley and Reynolds. They were the main so the band won a grammy award in 1983 for their instrumental dna and they received airplay on 
MTV with Iran during the second British invasion. Now, I looked up what the second British invasion was, because obviously I know about the MTV and how that got, how that, because we were already making videos over here. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of helped with MTV that all of our, that because they kind of had a ready of that. Um, the pe- people like Boogles, who obviously video killed the radio star, yeah, um, got played a lot on MTV. Um, so I knew about that second that that in fact, but I didn't know about this second. But the second invasion was actually um, so called as no fewer than eighteen singles of British origin charted in the American top forty, topping the previous record of fourteen in nineteen sixty five, and the police. Kachagugu, Madness, Duran Duran and Culture Club were all in the top 10. So when we talk about breaking in America, to think that in 1983, I think it was, um, the police, Kachagugu, Madness, Duran Duran and Culture Club, so that's five groups, were all in the top 10. And the police were actually at number one with every breath I take. And that's in America and they're British. That was in America on the back of MTV. That's mad. So, yeah. The band dissolved in 1988 um, after Reynolds had left in 85 to be replaced by Gary Steadman from Classic Nauvoo, another 80s band, not Mm. a big one. Um, And their next album, Dream Come True, failed to chart and that obviously led to them breaking up. Yeah, that was the end of them. That was the end of the road. Um, in 1988, Mike Score still performed with other musicians as Flock of Seagulls, and I have seen him at um, Rewind. Okay. Obviously just him with this, as I say, yeah. a new group. However, the original lineup did reunite for a special one-off performance for the VH1 series Band, Band Reunited. Bands reunited. Okay. Um, and they are often unfavorably com- compared to OMD, also a synth pop band from Liverpool. Oh, really? So, in other words, OMD, what a great band, you know, synth pop from Liverpool compared to a flock of seagulls, what a mm. rubbish band. They are very unfavorably compared. So, people, so flock of seagulls aren't as good as OMD. You no, know. no, 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 unfavorably, yeah, as in... Yeah, so people just, don't just, like them being... There's OMD, what a great synth-pop band from Liverpool, home of the Beatles and, you know, f- very many other great bands that have come out of mm. Liverpool. OMD are seen as, yeah, Flock of Seagulls don't, don't like to... Um, they don't like to admit they're from Liverpool sort of thing. Oh, right, people. they're like cast... They're not, they're not seen favourably, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, they're so, like the ugly duckling. Yeah, in a sense, yes. However, their music, on the other hand, we will go through now. So they um, they had one top 10 hit. Oh. They had one top 20 album, number 16, in 1983. As for their singles then, 1982, I Ran. This is where I thought about the futuristic. It's like their vocals are quite quiet as well. But it weren't that bad. I liked it. Unfortunately, it's just outside the top. You shouldn't have had it, but I wanted to put it in because it was what started them. And as I said, it right. got a lot of airplay on MTV because okay. it only got to number 43. Oh, OK. 1982, Space Age Love Song. A bit too instrumental for me. Got to number 34. Oh, they're not coming in. 1982, oh. Wishing If I Had a Photograph of You. 
Right, so this is one that I recognise. I might recognise it from when you've played the It's Electric album. But have you ever noticed there is the most annoying noise in it the whole way through? And it's all you can hear at the beginning. And then when they sing, it's all I can focus on. And if that noise weren't there, it would have been my favourite because I like the song. But that noise is so off-putting. Oh, my God, when I played that song again, I have to skip it because all I can hear. As soon as you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Oh, so annoying. so annoying. I don't want to know it then. Thank no, you. you don't. Because I like the song. Yeah, um, and I did the first time I listened to it. And then when I listened to it again, it's all like a blooming notice. And it's the one that they're known for. And it was their top 10 hit. And it got to number 10. Okay. Oh, so only just. Yeah. 1983, Transfer of Affection. So this became my favourite after Wishing had the annoying noise. I really like it. It's slower. But the vocals really come through. I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. I'm not really one for slow songs, you know, more an upbeat. But this one, there's something about it. And I really like it. Number 38. <laughs> you people did not. <laughs> and 1984, The More You Live, The More You Love. Catchy. I like, like the chorus is really good. And this one's upbeat. This is like more up my street. Number 26. These did not do well then, did they? No wonder they're cast aside. Okay. Moving briskly on into the last group, Hazy Fantasy. So, you know when we're talking about Boy George? These yes. are inspired by Boy George. He dresses like Boy George, the, the guy, because it's a duo, I'm guessing, a man and a woman. The woman dresses weird, like in... I only watched one... Recent. I only watched one video, like, there's only two songs, but I watched Shiny Shiny, yeah. Um, and the man just looks like he's a boy George wannabe. And I was like, I do not get the same feeling of wanting to dress as you, dress like you as I did with boy George, but you kind of dress okay. similar. Um, also, can I just point out, yep. they're like children. The songs come across as children's songs. I don't know whether okay. you think that, but yeah. And these are my weird group. Wow. Very weird. Okay. Hazy Fantasy were Jeremy Healy on vocals. Kate Garner on vocals and Paul Kaplan on keyboards. Oh, so it's a trio. Yeah. They were formed in 1981 in London, England. And they are a new wave pop group. <laughs> I put pop or country. <laughs> well, country's not far back half either because Hazy Fans Hazy were a project emanating from the Blitz Kids street art scene. That's what they are still children. In London, they combined reggae, country, and electro with political and sociological lyrics as nursery rhymes. Oh, okay. So Didn't there hear you go. There's reggae. Your... But the nursery rhymes. But these aren't nursery rhymes. They just made it sound like a nursery rhyme, yeah, which is yeah. why I thought of the child song. Yeah. Like, it sounds like there's this group that I listen to at work called Kids yeah. Bop. So to do the Blitz Kids street arts mm. scene. Right, okay. Yeah, there's this group that I listen to at work for children called Kids Bop, and they basically cover, yeah. like, the chart songs, but it's obviously children, and that's what these remind me of. Like, they sound like children, yeah. the song sounds like yeah. a child's song. Yeah. They were catapulted to commercial stardom by their visual sensibility and their extreme clothing sense. They were often compared to Bow Wow Wow. Ah, which is bad boy. was with. Right. 
Their clothes were designed by Garner, and before they were signed up by a record label, they often sent videos with their demo tapes, which was an unusual practice at the time. So they wanted to get across the way they were. The way they were, now, not just What you've got to remember is Culture Club were formed in 1982. Yeah. As I said, these were formed in 1981. So who came first? Well, George came first because he was in Bow Wow Wow first. Well, I think Bow Wow Wow were, were formed around the same time as well. Boy so, George comes first. Healy accused Boy George of Culture Club of imitating his unusual look in Stop. a 1983 interview on LA-based TV show MV3. So there we go. Healy actually came out against Boy George. Yeah, but do you know he why? He had stolen his look. That's because Boy George was getting more notice than he was. Well, Boy George's there is that better at life. Clearly. But did Boy George steal the look? that made him, although that, yes, they had the better songs, but you still need to get those songs out. Did his looks no. help Culture Club to stardom? And did his looks come from Hazy Fantasy lead man, Jeremy Healy? No. We don't know, but he's no. come out on, he's come out in an interview in 1983 saying, boy, George this is imitated where... his looks. This is where social media would come into handy, right? Because if you're on social media, you would be posting as a non-famous person before you became famous. And you'd be able to see who, do you know what I mean? Like if I dress how I'm dressing, I post pictures in two years time if I become famous um, and then someone accuses me, I'll be like, mate, look at my Instagram. I've been dressing like this since I was like this age. Well, we got to remember is the Blitz Club Loads of people were dressed like the new romantic, as in the new romantic. And it also, you could include even that David Bowie started it, you know, when he, with his look. So, yeah. you know. Well, when I but, look at that boy George, I'm just like, that's 80s. Yeah. So everyone would have been that. Like but that, I think it's, it? as you said about the hat and that, I think. Yeah. Because he wore the hat as well, you know. So is mm. that the, you know, you made a big thing of the hat. Is yeah. that the look of Boy George? And did he get that from Hazy Fantasy's Jeremy Healy? Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. But Jeremy Healy has said that he got it from him. He's, he took his unusual look. He, he imitated Healy's unusual look from Hazy Fantasy. Get out your film camera and show me pictures if I knew you. There we go. Um, Garner appeared alongside Banana Rama. In the oh. music video for Who's That Girl by Eurythmics, who we oh. had during the other week. Yeah. So Hazy Fantasy broke up in 1983, so very short-lived. Very. Um, however, they had two top 20 hits, and their album was a flop, which is, I suppose, was the end of their album. why are they? Um, coming at number 53. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So known for two songs and the album, it didn't really go on to do anything. So okay. that was the end of Hazy Fantasy. However, their look lived on with Culture Club. <laughs> Saying, not a lot to say for them, but two songs. Um, 1982, John Wayne is Big Leggy. Just what? What? Like, it's just weird. It's fast paced. Their voices sound odd. Just, it just reminds it me of that song by, what was it, the Rasputin or whatever it was, from, from the... 
that oh i've forgotten the song now it was from a group that they'd split they went off and done their own thing and they had that song it just reminded me oh, of that. i know it yeah we've had it we discussed it and you was like what the hell is this oh the song oh it's going to annoy me so much now because i can't remember even is it in the first series yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the first series, and it was a, a group that two people from that group went off and done their own thing. And this was, I added it. I added because it was only when I was doing the um, research on it that I found out that this other group had come along to do with them. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know this. And um, we said about it. And they reminded me, that song just reminded me of it. And for the life of me now that I want to know it, I can't. I can't remember it. It's got to be it. a weird group, isn't it? Um, it might have been in the in the in the same one as Bow Wow Wow. I don't know. Um, Did you do Bow Wow Wow? No. Squeeze, shake, that's a jam. Roxy Music, yeah, Pretenders. Oh, it's Stranglers. So yeah, so we've done the Stranglers and that. Genesis, Boomtown Rats, Cure. Dexies, it's one okay. of these that's just going to so annoy me now because John and Vangelis, Vangelis, no, 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 no. The no. Beat, I can't find it. Exposed selector. Um, I'm gonna have to find it and we'll have, I'll have to mention it in another one, but we'd have oh, probably lost the uh, the urge then. But yeah, they they sang this song and it was so light, it just it it just reminded me. When I was listening to it, I thought, oh, this is so like um, <laughs> that other group. I swear it was Rasputin or something like that. And it was like Rasputin. that was done. That's what the song's called. I, got, I don't know why I've got that in my head. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember the group that they'd split from or not split, but they'd left to go and do this. and Not Bad Manners? You, but... No. La right. I'm at Bow Wow Wow. Landscape. New music. Tom Tom Club. From it was a Tom Tom Club and it was Talking uh, Heads. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that talking series head. one, episode 19, the Tom Tom Club, and they'd done a song. You didn't give me Tom Tom Club though. It was Rapping Hood. Rapping Hood. Oh, that one. Yes. Oh god, yeah. That just John Wayne is big leggy. I don't know why I just automatically thought of that one. Rapping Hood by the Tom Tom Club who were uh, a side project from the people from Talking Heads. I to, remember. To, um, people from Talking Heads. Yeah, did not like that yes. song, but you liked it. I just thought it had a bit of a, yeah. No. Um, and I actually like preferred Hazy that to Hazy Fantasia. I'm not really, I'm not, no, um, Hazy Fantasia were okay, but no, I didn't didn't like that there's as much. Um, although okay. Shiny Shiny was okay. So, yeah. Um, so, now we've got that over and done. 1982. <laughs> John Wayne is big leggy. That got yeah. to number 11. Oh. We just outside the top, top 10. Yeah. Okay. And in 1983, Shiny Shiny. It, I, I had to pick a favourite. This was my favourite, but to be honest, it's not that great. It just had a catchy chorus. That's about it. Okay. So if you think that John Wayne is big leggy got to number 11, are you saying they got a top 10 hit? So this is a top 10. Number 10. Number 16. They didn't get a top 10. Oh, they didn't get a top 10 hit. No. Mm. So no. 
Oh, so John Wayne of Big, Big Leggy done better. So there. That mm. is this week's saying. Wow. Six groups. Yeah. You said at the beginning it was you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was my favourite week. So um, we don't need to go through it. We've got six hits. That's brilliant. No, so you didn't get six hits. Six. Oh. <laughs> five hits. I'll take five. No. So I'm, I don't need to probably ask, but Culture Club. Hit. Yeah. Blamange. Hit. I did leave them blank for a while and I was like, mm, but the more I listened, the more I enjoyed. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, I, I'd listen to these. So, yeah, they got a hit. Musical Youth. Hit. Love them. Really enjoyed them. It's a shame that, as I say, it wasn't I know, like the tragic. I found out the tragic behind it. But, yeah. Yeah. Yazoo. Hit. Yeah. Which I was shocked by because that's when I start getting less songs. And they weren't like that great, but I think it's a sing-along aspect. I enjoyed of that. Flock of Seagulls? Miss. They didn't give much to me. And if you didn't even like their best hit, because of this annoying noise. I want to point it out to you now. <laughs> you, were you listening to it on a dodgy song recording or something? No. <laughs> and then Hazy Fantasy. Miss. Only two songs. Yeah, I didn't need them. Didn't need them in my life at all. We're done without. Okay. I, I think if ever you have a, um, also, you know, uh, when you've not done something, you have to have a, 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 a dare or something. I think it would be to give you a seed. Yeah, yeah, forfeit, yeah. I think the forfeit would be for you to just listen back to back all day long, Rapping Hood by the Tom Tom Club and Big John Leggy, Big John Wayne is Big Leggy or whatever it is, um, by um, Hazy Fantasy, just all day back to back. Oh, just make sure I never put a, make sure there is never a dare between me and you because now I know what's coming. <laughs> I'd rather not. Okay, so your songs for next week. Yep. Episode six. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. It just gets better for you. Oh, go on. Oh, are you ready? I am. Next week. You After have got... this week. Yeah. So, Tears for Fears. Okay, that's Yvonne's favourite. Wham. Oh, okay. Wah, or the mighty wah, depending on how some people call them wah, some people the mighty wah. Okay. Trio. No. Classic Navoo, who we spoke about today, funny enough. Okay. And PhD. All right. They are your groups for next week. To be fair, I probably only can think of one song, and that's Wham! with Last Christmas, because it's my favourite Christmas song. But yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Let's see if it can live up to this week, because I really did enjoy this week. So, I think it will just get better. All right, we shall see. You've got very high hopes. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so as I said earlier, Classic Naboo, they are linked with a flock of seagulls because one of their band members left to join the, the newly formed flock of seagulls. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's where that comes yeah. from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I will drop you their songs for you to listen to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fine. All right. Yeah. All right, Thank Dad. You. All right. See you. All right. Bye, Bye Dad.